Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 63, Daughters of Zion. It's summer. We did it, mamas. We made it. We made it through the school year. And now we get the change that brings on summer and summer vacation and everything that entails. And I know that there can be some challenges, but you know, let's embrace the good. And I have a good thing to offer you that might make this summer for at least one person pretty exciting. For the month of June, I'm going to track those who leave reviews on iTunes. And if you leave a review, I'm going to go ahead and put you in a drawing. And I would like to send you, at the end of this month, I will pick one person. And I'd like to send you one of the journal Book of Mormons that Deseret Book has to offer. So go to iTunes, leave Sister Scriptorians a review. What will happen is when I pick you, you have to keep listening because in July, when I pick you, then I'll ask that individual to send me an email, shoot me an email with their address so I can send it. So anyways, that'll be fun. That'll kind of perk things up for for the summer. So we live in exciting times, don't you think? I know that there's a lot of hard that can happen living in 2019, but there is so much good especially when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ and if I desire to be a disciple of Jesus Christ the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has resources to assist me and this is besides the priesthood and the saving ordinances that my growth in my testimony leads me to but I'm talking about the good that just comes from either what the church produces or the people who belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints produces. Look at social media. Social media isn't always bad. I can follow the prophet of God on his Facebook account. That's so cool. I can get updated information on his personal visits and ministering to God's children when he does it all around the world. And though I don't live there where he is at, I can benefit from his words to them by committing to follow his counsel. And look at Instagram, for example. I admire the numerous individuals who post about their faith and who encourage others to reach towards the Savior. You have taken the challenge that our church leaders have given us to shine your light and to speak up and represent your testimony in Jesus Christ. You have taken that and you have shined. There are so many people who testify of what they read in the scriptures or what they learn at church or what they're learning in Come Follow Me in their homes. There are podcasts by women of the church that desire to inspire other women to be strong and to not be deterred from their roles as mother, wife, or neighbor, and who share their tidbits or they interview people with experience or they teach us a skill on how to wade through life without drowning by life's waves that come crashing in on us. And all of that is free to us. We can be lifted by others because they are living their covenants of lifting others. 
If you want it, if you seek after it, you'll be able to find the support that you desire. And our church is trying to strengthen us in more genuine and precise ways. Have you noticed? I see it through ministering, getting away from the prescribed visiting teaching lessons and encouraging us to get to truly know who it is we are striving to build real relationships with. And so I love this ministering opportunity that is wiggling our brains and helping us to see beyond the prescribed visiting message. It's with the Come Follow Me program that's designed to help families learn of Christ together. Can you even imagine, just imagine the preparation involved to provide this to us free of charge? Not only are the scriptures divided into weekly topics, but also the applications for the individual and then also for the family study with various age groups participating. Yet by trying to incorporate these discussions within our families, we, as the parents, are elevating ourselves in becoming weekly testifiers of Jesus Christ. Sometimes daily, it just depends on how you're doing the come follow me, but you're being put in the place of your child's main testifier of Jesus Christ, the consistent testifier of Jesus Christ. Our kids need to know that we are willing to be that. When they have questions or confused about the interactions that they are having in their daily lives that are not Christ-centered, they need to know that they can return home to a home that is centered in Jesus Christ. And all of these things, all of these opportunities to think of Christ and to speak of Christ are helping us strengthen and to become the reflection of Christ, to shine for our loved ones and for our neighbors. And I see the encouragement from our leaders to speak out, to reach out, to teach out as an attempt to place us in our proper places as covenant keepers and as leaders of Christ-centered homes. And when we are in our proper place, when we're settled properly in our spheres of influence, then we are positioned well. We're positioned well to receive the priesthood power that we and our loved ones are in need of. And as I read 2 Nephi chapter 13, what came to my mind was how Isaiah warned us and his people against displacement. He didn't say the words exactly, but that's the message that I got out of it. When the gospel of Jesus Christ is not present, meaning the staff of bread or the whole stay of water, displacement of natural roles takes place. Isaiah testified that Jerusalem would essentially receive a displacement by the invading forces that would occupy her. The mighty man, the man of war, the judge and the prophet, and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of fifty, and the honorable man, and the counselor, and the cunning artificer, and the eloquent orator. All of these who, when properly working in their own sphere, especially when founded on gospel principles, make society strong. Their wisdom, their standards, and their values, and what they create, and their experiences will help to carry the rest of our civilization forward. Isaiah prophesied that they would be removed, 
and that I will give children unto them to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, everyone by another, and everyone by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. Wisdom is displaced by the inexperience of youth in the scripture. Prudence is displaced by pride. And charity is displaced by oppression because of the sense of scarcity that a lack of hope and faith always cultivate. Isaiah testified that when this occurs, Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongues and their doings have been against the Lord. He also says, The show of their countenance doth witness against them. I ask you to ponder that verse. The show of their countenance doth witness against them. What does that mean to you? How have you seen that to be true? The Holy Ghost is real. And he can be seen in the countenance of those who follow after Jesus Christ. They reflect his presence, his power, his confidence, and his love. Pardon me, but as I was saying that, then I thought back on just recent baptisms that I have participated in. And the glow of the countenance of each child when they have been baptized and received the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is real. Now, honestly, I have a hard time seeing this in me personally. And perhaps you struggle to see it in you too, because all I can think about are how tired my eyes normally are. And I feel my brow sometimes heavy with concerns. However, I know that the Spirit has a home within me simply because of the impressions that I receive when I make an attempt to study the Word of God and to listen to the prophets and to ponder on God and His characteristics. And if you do want proof, if you do want to see someone whose countenance witnesses of the good fruits that they have cultivated by following after the Holy Ghost and by making room for the Holy Ghost within them, Look into the eyes of President Russell M. Nelson. Look up the recent pictures of his ministry just a couple weeks ago to the Pacific Islands. Look at him. Look into the eyes of the people there. You know he's seeing them for who they really are, sons and daughters of the supreme and holy God, individuals who Christ volunteered to atone for, future kings and queens, of all that God possesses. And you see that knowledge, that beauty, and that strength reflected in our prophet's eyes. When we focus on what matters, when we settle ourselves in our rightful places and strive to follow the commandments, allowing order to be brought into our lives, Isaiah gives to us the Lord's promise, Say unto the righteous that it is well with them. For they shall eat the fruit of their doings. I imagine that in heaven, there's a lot of fruit. <laughs> That's going to be the staple of our diet. But I digress. This promise 
that Isaiah gives us is a reassurance that all will be well if we stay the course and we keep our covenants. Some of us are going to struggle, though. We're all going to struggle. But in 2 Nephi chapter 13, verses 16 through 26, the Lord singles out two particular groups. He singles out our leaders who lead us and cause us to err and destroy the way of our paths. We must be careful in the leaders we choose. The second are the daughters of Zion. Before we even read his rebuke, let us take a note of the title that he gave them. The daughters of Zion. They are of his people. These are the women who were or are supposed to be standing apart from the wickedness of the world, but were evidently succumbing to it. And if you have any doubt that the Lord was just referring to the daughters of Zion in the days of Isaiah, take note. President Joseph Fielding Smith many years ago imploded that excuse. In fact, he even went as far as to say that this did not just pertain to women, but also to men. So what is the Lord concerned about? He says, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with stretch forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go and making a tinkling with their feet. Let's stop there. Let's understand the description that the Lord is giving to his daughters, which the Old Testament Institute manual that covers Isaiah is bold in its description and calls it the women's apostasy. Isaiah records the description of the women of Zion as haughty or acting arrogantly superior and disdainful, or in other words, words that I would use would be prideful and contemptuous. He said that they will walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, and this tells me that they will desire to be seen, seeking after the admiration of others, and the word wanton describes a behavior of unrestrained sexuality, walking and mincing as they go, and again, to be seen and admired. And what will be the consequence of these actions? Therefore, the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will discover their secret parts. In that day, the Lord will take away the bravery of their tingling ornaments, and calls and round tires like the moon. And then Isaiah goes on with various other descriptions of what the women of Israel wore in Isaiah's days. And they're listed with the same promise that they'll be taken away, concluding with, and it shall come to pass, instead of sweet smell, there shall be stink. And instead of a girdle, a rent. And instead of well-set hair, baldness. And instead of a stomacher, a girding of sackcloth burning instead of beauty. So what message is our Lord through the prophet Isaiah trying to deliver to us? It doesn't sound pleasant, does it? What I take away from these scriptures directed to my gender is modesty. I know modesty can be a sensitive topic that even just recently I have seen articles on Facebook posting pushback on knee-jerk definitions that we give modesty. But we tend to just refer to the way our young women dress. But modesty goes far beyond skirt lengths. And I worry 
that we get hung up there and that we don't dive further into what modesty is. And though this isn't going to be an episode where we dive really deep, let's just talk a little bit about other ways that modesty applies to our life. Because I believe in standards. I do. I desire to clothe and to cover my body in a way to show that I reverence the precious gift of a body that Father has enabled me to obtain. But modesty also refers to our speech, our behavior, our manners, in addition to our appearance. All of these are reflections of the thoughts that we allow ourselves to be consumed by. Modesty, it's a matter of the mind and the heart. Are we carnally minded or are we spiritually minded? Do we seek after the approval of others or after God's approval? Do we behave to be seen by others or do we want to be of service to others? Do we aggrandize and puff ourselves up to feel adequate or do we cherish the sweetness of the spirit that quietly and privately confirms our worth? Do we seek to tantalize others with our speech and our behavior, our manners, or even our appearance? Or do we seek to nurture and edify and inspire others through these same power sources? Modesty is a reflection of what is happening within us. It can be a sign of respect for God and for ourselves. It is dignity. It is keeping us in our proper place. Or really, it's us, through our actions, placing ourselves in our proper place. Where immodesty is displacement. There are so many inner reasons for the displacement. Rebellion, insecurity, misunderstanding of love. Immodesty isn't something I believe that we should judge but it is something to be loved, not to be condemned and ostracized, but to be soothed and brought in. I know that isn't easily said because immodesty can feel like an affront to our sensibilities. And again, I'm not just talking about hemlines. The bragger or the arrogant can be just as prickly as the scarcely clothed. But these are just outward manifestations of some type of inner turmoil. Immodesty brings a harshness to one's life, for it is the outward sign of the wounded Christ-like attribute, humility. Humility is to be teachable, to be grateful to the Lord in His ways. It is to understand that it is his support we need, and that he is the upholder of all things. In him are we glorified, not in our bodies or our riches or the praise of men or our amazingness or even in the intensity of emotion that we can conjure up. In these verses from Isaiah, the Lord is concerned about the daughters of Zion's modesty in all of it, not just in dress, but in their speech in their behavior, in their manners, in their focus, in their presentations of themselves to others. In 2 Nephi chapter 14, hope is renewed. Chapter 13 ends with saying that men shall fall by the sword, 
And chapter 14 begins with the daughters of Zion seeking for their reproach to be removed. They will become holy and their filth will have been washed away. And we know that that comes from the atonement of Jesus Christ. But the promise that chapter 14 contains is a promise that I believe we can enjoy when we strive to be modest in behavior and humble in heart. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory of Zion shall be a defense. And there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and a covert from storm and from rain. These lines of scripture remind me of the privileges that the people of Israel experienced. Remember? Under the direction of Moses. And I'm sure that there are many meanings and interpretations contributed to these promised blessings. But I can see them pertaining to modesty. I want to challenge you to think about that this week. When we are modest. When we don't lift ourselves up but lift our eyes and hearts to God. He will protect us. He will be our light. He will be our defense. He will be our safety and our shelter. Everything in its rightful place. Nothing displaced. Only empowerment to carry on in our birthright as his nurturers, his beautifiers, his spiritual beacons, his teachers to his children, his daughters. Sister Scriptorians, be examples of modesty. Modest in speech, in dress, modest in behavior, and modest in manners. Notice one thing in your life that is made beautiful and holy because of your modesty. Take note of the power that your modesty brings into your life and the grief that it protects you from. God is good. Follow him. Have a good day.